HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. My name is Brandon Hoy, co-owner of Roberta's, a super duper awesome place. Roberta's is a very, 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 very proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. We're also super awesome. Thank you, Heritage. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hello, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border, coast to coast, and all the ships at sea. Streaming live from the County of Kings, Brooklyn, New York City, on the Heritage Radio Network. Are you ready for the fastest half hour on the internet today? It's the Mike and Judy Show. Spanning the globe for high-minded hijinks and low-brow kicks to bring you the best in sex, drugs, rock and roll, and nuclear fission. They're too bad for radio and too good-looking for television. And now, here they are. To pluck the low-hanging fruit of the literati, your hosts, Mike Edison and Judy McGuire. Bonjour! Judy, you're speaking French. I prefer the French pronunciation, Judy. Uh, Judy. Well, pourquoi? Why are you speaking French today, Judy? Because I just got back from a fabulous Parisian vacation. Well, do tell. you. While you were in Paris, of course, I was having Thanksgiving with my family. I think <laughs> I think this round I goes won. to you. <laughs> yeah. You're telling me, so how was Paris? Paris was spectacular. It was the most fun vacation of my life. And what did you see? Did you go to the catacombs? Did you no, go... We didn't... Did you, you didn't go to the catacombs? I thought for sure that boyfriend of yours would have dragged you down to Death Central. Well, once I heard it was seven stories underground, I was a lot less interested. And it's apparently very cramped, and I started getting hyperventilate. But we went to Père Lachaise, which was beautiful, the big cemetery. Mm-hmm. We saw Oscar Wilde's grave, and that was kind of cool because this old man came up to the grave while we were there with this younger woman. And he's telling her the story in French because the grave next to it is this ornate monument with a cross that's been, like, crushed on top of it and you know they don't repair things so quickly there and he was telling her that some jackass i have to assume is american (laughs) climbed up on the cross to try and kiss oscar wilde's grave and broke it to shit and like had to be hospitalized and stuff that was a highlight um 
<clears throat> and also the Museum of Magic was just like the coolest place I've ever oh, been. Oh, that crazy exterminator with the rats in the window. Oh, yeah, that was good. We were like, oh, Italian sausages across the street because there's all these white things hanging. But no, they're like taxidermied rats from 1924. <laughs> well, while you were off in, in Paris, I was with my, my family. Your getting, sainted mother? My sainted mother getting dirty looks every time I opened another bottle of beer. Michael! <laughs> yeah, it was a lot like that. Um, but so much to give thanks for, though, Judy. Yes. <laughs> And so much. And it's your favorite time of year, too. It is. I'm real. I'm going to the John Waters Christmas show tomorrow night, schlepping up to Tarrytown. I would join you, except I'm going to go see Neil Young tomorrow night in uh, in Brooklyn, right here in Brooklyn. Very excited with Patti Smith. I want to hear how that stadium so, is. That's, that's Hanukkah. That's my Hanukkah present to myself. Is it true that you're not getting a tree this year? Okay. You need a tree for reasons that are going to become obvious next week. That's all I'm going to say. I need a tree. I've never not had a Christmas tree You are, are Miss Christmas. Life. You are like the Christmas person. I know. You're the only person I know who revels in it so I know. Much. Well, that's because... I can't even... Well, my, my family is different than they were... When my parents were both alive, it was very tense because my mother tended to make big um, holidays tense. Go figure. <laughs> yeah, but, seriously. And I'm not happy she's dead by any stretch, but holidays have a different <laughs> dynamic now. But anyway, we have three exciting guests today. Three of the best minds of Brooklyn. Um, <laughs> well, first we have our old friend Jason uh, Diamond here from... Uh, volume one, Brooklyn, and also you're an editor at Flavor Pill, mm-hmm. and uh, um, we're here with uh, Halima Marcus and Ben Samuel from Electric Literature, one of my very favorite websites and literary portals. We're completely awesome. Say hello, guys. Don't Hi, everybody. Sh- don't be shy. Hello. Hello. And uh, um, you guys really are at the va- very vanguard of this Brooklyn literary thing, whatever the hell that is. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm still trying to figure you're still it out. Trying to figure it out. So, what, what is it exactly uh, you do over there at um, Volume One, Jason? Um, I mean, it's it's a combination of. Uh, the daily website uh, uh myself and a few editors um update news we have interviews uh essays everything uh and then our events that we do and your events are good we're going to talk about that too we have a heavy metal reading yeah, coming up that soon. you're doing and you guys over electric literature and thank you you've been so supportive of me personally and i love your website i love the required reading uh blog is that a blog do we call it a blog recommended reading recommended reading i'm sorry <laughs> uh, um, and i have the flask here. i have the flask too. we're in no position to require anyone to do anything <laughs> so how's it going over there why is it what, what do you guys do why do you do what you do it seems like a lot of work and um and who's and who's reading it well, uh, hopefully everyone's reading it. But, um, you know, essentially, it's uh, it's a fiction magazine. It's one piece of uh, fiction a week, um, and it's carefully curated by all these literary tastemakers. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have different editors, we have different magazines. They all kind of recommend one piece of fiction, um, and then we just get it out there to anyone who needs something to read. So we publish on Tumblr once a week, one story a week, and we do that because we found that's the best way to get the most people reading fiction. We bring fiction to where people already are already. Um, it's Every story is free for at least a week, so when we post it, you can click through straight from Twitter, straight from Facebook, and there's really no barrier to access. I love it. I think, I think it's great. I think the short story form and uh, you know, short form writing is something that's been so overlooked, and I think it's one of the best things this you know, digital revolution, such as it is, is that People can now publish essays, we call them blogs, or, or, or um, in the 140-character sense, Twitter posts. But now there's, there's actually a venue where you can reach short stuff. Yeah. I mean, I've always been a fan of <clears throat> short stories. I mean, I remember uh, Isaac Singer like used to say it was the hardest thing to do is write a short story. Uh, I've always found them... No, Jason, the hardest thing is to get a short story published. Yeah. I was going to yeah. say, it's the hardest thing to sell one yeah. or yeah. more. Yeah, definitely. If you get one, you're pretty blessed. But uh, I, I've, always, I've always been a fan of shorter pieces um i read several novels at, at a time 
uh, but I tend to like the short form more, which is, I think, why what electric literature does is so important. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. So do you guys ever go to print? Well, we started off with a print quarterly that um, published in every format. Mm-hmm. Um, that's Scott and Andy founded the publication in 2009. Now, as a, as a weekly publication, print's not feasible right. for us and um, not you know really necessary for publishing one what, story a week. What about a collection, though? I think in the yeah we're definitely open to that in the future doing an anthology. Um, we actually have some exciting things coming up in February. We're publishing our first full length ebook. Great. Um, by Sam Pink. We're partnering with Lazy Fascist, which is a really cool independent press that's put out uh, a bunch of his novels. So we're doing the ebook edition of that, and then in April we're gonna put out the ebook um, of some Carson Mel's book. Um, who we published in issue five, so he's and a great author. With Sam Pink, uh, Lazy Fascist is going to do the the print edition, so we'll have sort of like this multi format thing, but we'll be partnering just on the digital side. Well, what, what do we think about all this? I mean, publishing things strictly in an e format, or, or, or doing both. Um, you know, I, I you know I had the odd experience. I just you know, published my last. It's a novella. It's my first actual piece of fiction, um, and some people didn't want to review it because it was primarily an ebook. I did a limited mm. edition print run as well, which was kind of arty. And like I said, that's the City Lights version. You know, it was numbered to three hundred. It was hand bound and silk screened. But people didn't want to review it. I got some you know feedback that we don't review ebooks, which I think is completely ridiculous. Well, publishing yeah. is kind of anachronistic. A lot of it. It is, but know? the people that wouldn't review it were websites. That's crazy. Wow. <laughs> that's just <laughs> idiotic. You, you know, it's like you work in a digital platform, but you know, you still. I know print is sexy. Everybody likes ink on paper. And Judy and I both you know, have magazine experience as well. And everybody always wants to be in the magazine and doesn't want to be in the website. Well, the magazine pays better, for one thing. Like, Esquire.com pays 50 bucks for a feature. I couldn't believe that, what they it's offered insane. you. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's sort of like, um, I always bring it back to, because I grew up going to punk shows. And when I was a kid, labels like Matador or Merge or you know, Discord or Kill Rock Stars, they couldn't get... Yeah, Matador's hardly punk rock, dude. Well, yeah, now. But, <laughs> no, but, you know, when I was growing up, those were the labels that, you know, they were putting out stuff that I liked. And they couldn't get, you know, they couldn't get records reviewed in magazines. And now it's the norm. You know, you're quote-unquote indie uh, and you're gold. And I think it's going to end up being that way with ebooks one day as well. It's funny, my brother, we were talking at uh, Thanksgiving and all of a sudden he's discovered, do they still call it indie rock? Or all yeah, yeah. What, is it? what is it? I can't even tell. I and that was a problem. I couldn't explain to him, you know, whether Sonic Youth was an indie band or not. They were but, once. They were, but then they weren't, but then they are again, I think, yeah. you know, or... um. You know, some of these bands are where you know, Jack White certainly owns the world, but I mean, when is it alternative? When does the indie stop? And there's so many labels. And he just basically said, oh, so you mean like like your friends are indie rock because they're not good enough to be on a major label. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> I think about indie music a lot when I think about digital publishing, actually, because um, I, in music, you know, I think there's a thing where the digital file can be paired with an LP that doesn't mm-hmm. really happen. I love that advance where you started buying, if you bought a new mm-hmm. LP, it always came with a digital mm-hmm. download code after, or it usually does, you know, after a certain point. But with reading, you don't really have the need to have the print edition unless you're a collector. Well, there are some books that are version. just, like, like there are some books, I, I had a Kindle until I tragically lost it, but um, <laughs> I resisted it for a long time, but there are still some books, even though I enjoy reading on it, like, I have to buy the book. Like, the Wonorovich biography. I just needed it because I wanted the pictures. I wanted to reread it. I wanted to, like, have it more accessible. 
but you know, like well, books are objects. I mean, it's like yeah. book plus. Sometimes yeah. when it's done right and it's something that's lovely, I mean, I'm sure all of us, if you walk into our houses, are just filled with books, spilling off, you know, the bookcases and also vinyl records and and, and stuff. I mean, there are objects. Have you seen the, the Richard Bradigan um, biography that Counterpoint Soft Skull did? It's the size of a phone book. It's like it's a fifty dollar book. Mm-hmm. I can't. Believe, I'm so proud of you know the Soft Skull guys as much as. Our personal experiences, Judy and I are both published by Soft Skull, you know, um, you know, didn't rocket us to stardom, <laughs> that he would actually invest in, in like, seriously, it must be like a 230,000 word biography. Mm. It's massive and gorgeous, and it weighs more than we all do. Mm. And to me, it's like, it just wouldn't work in a Kindle. Yeah. It's oh, yeah. just, I mean, it's just this totem of accomplishment that someone wrote, um, you know, this, this biography, and of course, I'm not a Richard, big Richard Bradigan fan, so for me, getting it in the mail was like, it was holy cow, it was like Christmas and, you know, Hanukkah and birthday all rolled into one, and to me, that's the power of an object of a book when it's that good. Well, that, that seems to be like kind of a trend now, especially with, with you know, the rise of, of digital, is that, you know, there is more thought and, and consideration put into the, the print editions of, of books. Um, you know, they, they, are, they are art objects now, you know, you want to have it and, and display it and, and that sort of thing. Show people how smart yeah, you I mean, are. When yeah, I when yeah. I see uh, an author that I like, <laughs> somebody who's on an indie on indie press, and they they're a great author, you know, I, I love their work. And then I see like this this, this crappy looking cover, you know, just this thrown together book. I'm like, oh man. They see the same thing on big publishers too. Some bad bad artwork all the time. Yeah, mm-hmm. boy, oh boy. Well, the problem with the indie press is probably authors have too much control. Right. And as a guy who sat on both sides of the desk, I've been a book editor for for years as well. Um, never let authors get anywhere near the designer. <laughs> Generally speaking, you know, I find the exceptions and. I'd like to put myself in that category. We came from punk rock and roll where we controlled our own artwork and we knew good designers and we were part of the process. We got how important it was to package stuff and to look competitive and we were making flyers all these years and I don't design my own book covers yeah. but I do work closely with the designer because usually we get you wouldn't believe the stuff that people say this is the cover of my book and I've seen you know, some picture of the author you know the book could be I'll be a, a biography of Van Halen you know or yeah if or, you're or, like Dita Von Tees, that works but yeah. most yeah but people who want their own picture and with their Commodore 64 they put some type on it <laughs> you know the place yeah. for design and digital publishing is also sort of interesting question I mean we try to mm-hmm. really keep our website with you know beautifully designed but you know when you publish an ebook the cover is often only going to be seen as a thumbnail right. which changes it does everything. and you know and again with like bye bye miss american pie we were very conscious that it was going to be seen as a thumbnail first and it was going to work later as a large poster, but you had to sell it with one inch of real estate. Yeah, and you have to think about these things. Have you guys um, seen like um, Apple's new uh, publishing platform, um, the iBooks Author? The iBooks Author. Um, it's starting to take off a little bit, right? A little bit, tiny bit. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, right now, though, it seems mostly uh, textbooks are, are using it. Um, textbooks are awesome, dude. I don't know. If you're, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. The stuff they're doing in textbooks. I borrowed a small friend, a friend of mine's kids' iBooks. Right? He said, "Show me what you got," and his history books have come to life. I mean, I know it sounds like. Wow. Hey, look, these books come to life, but it, it's true. And you know, and you push the button, and then charts open up, and then there's a, an experiment you can see. So far ahead yeah. of what's actually happening, you know, for books for you know adults, trade books. I mean, yeah. I, I find I find what what you're talking about with Apple interesting, but what I'm finding more interesting is how the big publishers are trying to adapt to these new things. There's like Simon and Schuster just announced that they're doing uh, a self a self publishing wing right. where you pay right. them fifteen thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> to self-publish, I, I just I, I looked it over. It doesn't. I'm like, this does not make any sense to me. I don't get. No, because what everybody needs to know, and you know, Judy and I, we're punk rockers. We come from this DIY mentality that anybody can do it. Yeah. 
I mean, the joke is on the same thing with music, too, right? You can make a record on your laptop and put it up on the internet. And presumably, if you're on iTunes, you know, you now have the same distribution as Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. <laughs> but somehow it doesn't really... Or the Mike and Judy show. Or the Mike and Judy show. <laughs> well, that's always been the beautiful and terrible thing about the internet is that anyone can do it. Yeah. But for us, it's been wonderful because we've been able to make a real impact without a lot of upfront capital, without a lot of people. You know, it's just a few people working really hard. Um, but are you gonna? Are you making any money? No, no. <laughs> it's, it's publishing. No one's making any money. But there's thanks, you know, mom. With with. Uh, with self- I just want you to have a nice future. <laughs> oh my god, writing isn't a isn't a job. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Having a Thanksgiving flashback. But with with self publishing now, you know, like you you hear these these like you know fairy tale success stories, you know, where someone self publishes a book and sells a million copies right. on Amazon. Um, you know, like you look at like Amanda Hawking, who wrote that that fantasy series, mm-hmm. um, but she's no longer self-publishing. You know, like as soon as she reached a, a certain level of promi- prominence um, and popularity, she wanted to have you know proper representation. She didn't want to sit around and market right. herself all day long. No, and of course that, that crazy housewife up in Toronto wrote that smutty book, which my mother was reading. Oh, God, yeah, you guys had you guys had Marty Beckerman on the show once. Yeah, right? that, that's like, right. He's yeah, a that perfect happened. example. Yeah, that he was great. The, yeah, uh, it was like number one bestseller. For, I, I forget what category it was. It was like this book, The Hemingway. The Hemingway. And yeah, it was, it, was, it was a good book. It was funny. And, and now it's out on St. Martin's. Yeah. Mm. You know, it's, 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 trying, it's catching lightning in a bottle. I mean, you know, Mar- you know, Marty's book is awesome, and he caught you know, somebody's attention that's perfect. I mean, whatever happened with Fifty Shades of Grey is a fucking <laughs> mystery to me because it's unreadable swill. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, the funny thing is, you know, the, the crazy thing is people have been publishing erotica for years and not selling it, and all of a sudden, this, you know, Fan fiction turned softcore. Has anybody here read it besides me? No. Am I the only one who's actually read? I, I heard about? Gilbert Godfrey read an expert excerpt of it. Well, I can't recommend. I can't recommend it except that um, it's good. It's kind of it's good to see to kind of understand like how bad it is and trying to for me it's trying to decipher what part of the zeitgeist it. It, you know, it T-boned to be so successful. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm at a complete fucking lost, you know, as someone who's written pornography their whole lives. Well, I mean, <laughs> Rachel Kramer Bustle has kept herself very busy writing and editing erotica for ages. It's far superior to that. And, and Rachel has got to be like the premier erotica editor, yeah. you know, in, in the land. I mean, she's, and she's so prolific. The books just keep coming and there's bondage porn and there's this fantasy and that fantasy. It's great. And, uh, Boy, I want her to have some of that money. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I'll tell you what, Judy, let's take a break. Uh, we've got some music from our friends at Daptone Records. Once again, it's the Mike and Judy Show here in Bushwick on the Heritage Radio Network. You're listening to How Long Do I Have to Wait by Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings on the Heritage Radio Network.org.
we're back. We're back here on uh, the Mike and Judy Show with our awesome, awesome guests from Electric Literature. Uh, I've got our friends Ben Samuels and Helena Marcus and uh, the irrepressible Jason Diamond currently. Can't be pressed. <laughs> you're awesome. You're awesome, dude. So you got- shirts are always wrinkled. <laughs> What's going on? You've got a uh, one of your um, best three minute story mm-hmm. events coming up soon. Yeah, December eleventh, which uh, you will be at. And count that. I'll tell you what, my story is going to be three minutes too. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Not like yeah, those other some slackers. Of those people. Oh my god. <laughs> who do you want? Who, who? Who? What are we talking about here? The what? drummer from whatever band who went on for like fifteen minutes. <laughs> yeah. Can you give us a we- teaser, Mike? Like a thirty seconds for the for the uh, heavy metal story. Um, May tell a condensed version of the time that Ozzy Osbourne stole my pot. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's a good one. I, I think that's good. But I see, yeah, because those slackers. Judy was, t- you know, I got the whole lowdown. She, I was getting, I should go the live blogging, live texting, or tweeting that she sent me. Waiting, I, was like, I need to go home. Yeah. I haven't I, eaten dinner yet. I'll give you a really funny little piece of three. We've done. This is going to be our fifteenth three-minute story series, and a funny piece of trivia. Uh, the first one we did, I was like. I'm going to sit on the stage with my iPod, and I'm going to start playing people off if they go on too long. Yes. And the one person I did it to, ever, the only person I ever did it to is Aaron Lefkove. <laughs> the only person. And he was, you know, one of my groomsmen at my wedding. And I had a frequent guest on the Michael yeah. Judy show. That's Aaron from Little Nick. He yeah. still will not forgive me. I, th- you know what? It's not, it's not, you did nothing no, wrong. I know. Three minutes? Not, yeah, he, it's no, in the title no, three of the minutes event. I'm gonna fuck you. Get off the fucking stage. He wasn't Seriously. bad. He was fine. I, I just was like trigger happy. I'm like, I'm doing it. I'm okay, okay. Forget, first of all, forget your iPhone. Get like a flavor flave clock. Mm-hmm. Okay, like a big motherfucking timepiece. At three minutes and one seconds, they get clobbered. I or want the, the candy the candy man. Yeah, yeah the from uh, Late Night at the Apollo. Well, do you guys know the uh, literary deathmatch? Oh, oh, I'm a literary deathmatch champion. Oh, yeah. champion as well. Yeah. All right, dude. He's yeah. champion dude. at the one Jason yeah. was champion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but for their their series, if you run over your time limit, they shoot you with a Nerf gun. That, that's right, and that's a seven minute time limit there. And you better believe I had that shit rehearsed. Yeah. Six minutes and fifty seconds. You know, and I, I rehearsed it. Again, I'm a professional, not like the slackers you get at these things. Jason. Well, that's so why I, you're a champion. So, so when I show up at this three minute heavy metal stories, <laughs> I expect to see some professionalism. Yeah. Okay. Hey, punk rock, you would think three minutes is fine. Heavy yeah. metal yeah. is yeah. going to be like okay. 12 minutes you're going to be talking three about three minutes is long for punk rock yeah I know yeah, right I know you know, uh, th- three minutes doesn't even get through like the first guitar solo in heavy metal yeah, so. I think it was just a lot of people who really wanted to reminisce and be like you know I've got a good career now and yeah and like back in the day was tough. I was at this bar I just like to say when I did the literary death match celebrity guest Paulina Poroskova said Mike Edison could read from a tractor manual and I would be interested <laughs> I, I killed that thing yeah. <laughs> no it's going to be good I mean they're always uh, a lot of fun um, a lot of good writers. Who, yeah. who else is reading at this one? Uh, Dave Hill, um, who I think is one of the funniest people uh, I know. Uh, Brandon Stousey from uh, Pitchfork.com, who's probably my favorite metal writer that I know. Uh, oh, yeah, God, a lot. Maggie Sirota, who mm-hmm. may have been on the show. She's oh, great. I love Maggie. I yeah. follow her closely on uh, Facebook and the Twitter. And what about you guys? you guys um, have any events coming up? What's the electric literature out in the world? I think this season we're, we're kind of sitting back for a little bit, so we're just going to everyone else's holiday parties. Um, <laughs> holiday I love parties. holiday parties. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. You know, me too. I need, it's the only time I can wear all my sparkly outfits. I'm looking it's for not the a, only time. <laughs> I'm looking for a Rage and Hanukkah party this, in the next two weeks, so if anybody knows of anything. Jews have to step it up on the festivity yeah, we're, we're front. Terrible. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, we, should, no. we should have like an eight-day party. Yeah. yeah. No, you know. binger. Yeah. It's a binger. Well, Purim, Purim is our drunken holiday, yeah. right? Purim, we, we, we cross-dress, and as the, um, as the Talmud commands, we get so drunk we no longer remember our names. Yeah. 
Well, and then there's Passover, which is my favorite holiday just because it's it's based around a story. You sit around, you eat food, and you have to drink. Yeah. Right? You're not allowed to leave the table without having four glasses of wine. You have to drink to numb the pain that you're hanging around with your family for eight hours <laughs> around a table. So, what, so, what, so, so you literary um, young people here, what, what do your parents think about this this career, this unpaying career path? Is it a career? Yeah. I don't, I don't know. even know. You, I mean, you guys, you guys don't have day jobs, right? That's what you do, right? Yeah. Yeah, we're making a career. I mean, when I said we made no money, we break even. So we're doing okay. We're making you know? money then. Yeah. I mean, well, we're going to go nonprofit. We're in the process. So we'll then be legally obligated not to make money. Yeah, we're doing the same thing also. <laughs> but we'll, we'll probably be like stealing some of this pizza and bringing it well, home. Well, this is, you know, starving. Heritage Radio is a 501c. This is nonprofit. And we give our guests pizza. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's, it's delicious. Incredible. Pizza. But my parents are incredibly supportive. I can't. Yeah, that's not that my experience. I can't wait to read the book that you're writing about growing up. It's not a book. <laughs> it's going to be a book. Well, maybe when I'm 60, it will be. Is a it the book. one story thing? No, no. Uh, tell I, us, tell us. Oh, I just told Judy before we started that. I can't believe this is being made public, but it's nothing. If you don't so want it, to, no, we it's don't fine. Have to. I just started writing about. Uh, I grew up in. My parents are part of a Sufi fellowship outside Philadelphia, so I was raised, sort of as a Muslim but if, and for all you radio listeners who can't see me I'm white and blonde um, you're so really it's, white and so really confusing, blonde but you did hear that my name's Halima Marcus so that's also confusing um, many people think that I'm going to be black before they meet me when they, we just email um, and then so they're I, disappointed when you're not does that happen like an internet yeah, yeah no it has it has <laughs> to happened it has happened and so yeah so I you know I went to Saudi I made the pilgrimage when I was 10 and I used to fast for Ramadan wow. I was just like a super weird vegetarian Muslim um, <laughs> so I, I was trying to write about that a little I, bit. I think that's really interesting yeah. Yeah, I mean I a lot great. of memoir that's out there is I mean you're very young but I don't think that you would be one of those people who just you know writes about coming of age this is an interesting story to yeah. some to anyone I mean and I don't think I'll write memoir I mean maybe an essay but I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a fiction gal, so we'll see what I, see what I can do by so, making some parts up. <laughs> but not, neither of your websites, neither neither um, Volume One nor Electric Guru, has any real focus on nonfiction or journalism, right? We do. Volume One does a little bit. We're actually moving into having columns in the next couple of months. Um, I, I write for a bunch of other places, and I mean, I, I generally focus on nonfiction myself. Um, but it's we're starting to. Um, yeah, and our our blog covers uh, you know events, and we do some nonfiction there. The best event coverage in New so York. What, 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 <laughs> so what 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 are the criteria? What do you look for when you when you publish something? What I mean, there's this whole um, idea that you know that it's literature, that it's literary, and this is you know part of some literary movement. Maybe it's even locally sourced. It's a Brooklyn thing, I think. Right? You yeah. guys, you guys self-identify as like Brooklyn literary people. Uh, not well. I mean, we'll, we'll still publish like international fiction. Mm-hmm. You know, as long as it's it's good and grabs you. Um, We'll, we'll get it out there. Our, not, not a lot of our writers come from Brooklyn, but, you know, we're definitely Brooklyn or people, whether we like it or not. <laughs> yeah, well, no, it's just definitely a vibe, and obviously Brooklyn is, is the place right now. You know, it's funny, when um, my first book came out, I said, I'm going to do a tour of Brooklyn, <laughs> right? It was called the I Have Fun in Brooklyn Tour, and the people over at FSG were like, what the fuck are you talking about? They wouldn't even buy me a Metro card for this. That's where the people are. That's where people read. Yeah. You know, and sure, I could do, you know, a gig at, on a bookstore in New York, and I go down to KGB and some of the bars. Brooklyn's I still in. New York. Just but, so well, know. yes. Well, in the city, what you, what you call the city, Judy. Judy. <laughs> yeah. Thank uh, you. <laughs> we. <laughs> um, we, we had the best time. We played in uh, uh, Fort Greene at Frank's Cocktail Lounge, and we mm. um, did uh, our 
uh, the Pete's Candy Store, mm-hmm. and uh, eventually made it up out to Bed Stuy. Like, we've always found these crazy places. I ended up doing like nine different neighborhoods in Brooklyn, and it was like such a good experience. And I think now, I mean, I think people are sort of coming around to that whole idea that you, I mean, you got to bring it to where people are, right? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the events we've put on, we try our hardest to. We, we we work with certain bookstores that we really. I mean, I, I, there's several indie bookstores in Brooklyn that. Plum, I, let's talk. I mean, indie bookstores. I mean, these uh, people shall inherit the earth, as far as I'm concerned. I, I think these Word are, is. These are yeah, Word is fantastic. Right. They were yeah. our bookselling partner for three months. So every issue recommended reading, we'd link all the book titles to their store. Yeah. And we did a reading there. They're fantastic. Word and Greenpoint, fantastic yeah. bookstore. Great people. I love Green Light in Fort in Fort Green. Green Light's awesome. awesome. Right down the street from Frank's Cocktail Lounge, my favorite. Right place. down the street from our office too, a little bit. I live a block away from Unnameable Books on Vanderbilt, which is. I haven't been world. there yet. Oh my god, it's, it's good. It's used and new. Yeah. I love that. And there's Molasses Books, which is up here in Bushwick too. Mm-hmm. I haven't right, been there yet. It's open pretty recently, yeah. right? But We're gonna have to make a field trip, GD. It's used book. Sweet. And a bar. It's sort of like everything that I love in oh, one place. Yeah. There's this great bookstore up in Hudson, New York. Ooh, shame on me for not remembering the name. I'll play. It's a oh, bookstore the with a bar. Right. No, it's a real bar. I mean, they, they're pouring, pulling beer on tap, and there's a full bar in the front of the bookstore. And the events there are great because people are just hanging out and drinking, and then it erupts into a reading. Yeah, I mean that's like erupts a lo- into a reading. You don't hear that often. So many of the so many of the events we do, we we, we try to do it where there's liquor. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. that's our our yeah. thing too. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be our, that would be our thing. <laughs> I don't thing. know what you're talking about. <laughs> I, we only have a couple minutes, so I want to like do a public service and have you guys recommend some books for people, maybe to buy your illiterate relative. Something I've been known to do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> mm, that's hard. I find I need people to recommend me books that I can buy for people who aren't readers because I am in a bubble of readers, and then right. so I'm all my recommendations are very. Literary, so to, so to speak. Well, your mom, uh, as Mike pointed out, your mom needs a copy of Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> oh, right. And Bye Bye Miss American Pie. Right, right. She Absolutely. Needs- <laughs> um, my mom, just for the record, has never read any of my books. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. It's better that way. I hope, I, I aim for that. Yeah. <laughs> I, to- I told my dad a long time ago, like, don't read it. Don't read anything. He's like, why, why can't I read your stuff? I go, do you want to hear about my sex life? And he was like, <laughs> no. Um, I really liked. I, 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 they came out a few years ago, but they were just compiled into uh, a series. Uh, Edward St. Aubin's the, the Patrick Melrose novels. Uh, that's probably my favorite book of the year. I also really liked. Um, these are two of my friends, so I'm not just shamelessly plugging them. But uh, uh, Adam Wilson, who wrote Flat Screen, um, and I really liked Emma Strobe's uh, Laura Lamont's Life and Pictures. Everyone loved that book. I had, yeah, I'll, I'll check it out. Those are two really great books and great people. All right, where can we find you guys, uh, Jason? We're going to find you on the internet and uh, the Twitter and the Facebook. Yeah. Uh, Volume in Brooklyn and Twitter. I'm 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 I am Jason Diamond. What's the website again? Uh, Vol One Brooklyn dot com and electricliterature dot com. Yep, and you can also go to recommendedreading.tumblr.com. dot com. And we're on Twitter at Electric Lit. And you guys still selling those awesome flasks? We yeah, are. we have recommended reading flasks. They're cute, yellow. They've they have a bird on them. And they, and they, <laughs> put a bird on it. And they work great in movie theaters, rock concerts, weddings, <laughs> family <laughs> events, readings. Especially. And actually, we used uh, the, that on, on election night. There was uh, oh, much, right. that was the flask. That was okay. the flask, right? See, it worked yeah. right. It didn't leak or drip, and it was kind of yeah. Check on our <laughs> site next week. We'll have um, a holiday sale going. Yeah, absolutely. So everything must go. Everything. You can give you can give them a flask with their book. There you go. Yeah, that's awesome. Books. Books. 
<laughs> okay, so next week we have Joe Garden on from Project X. And, and the pro- week after that is our Christmas, Christmas show. I can't wait. I know. I'm ready for ready for uh, Christmas. Kind of Christmas. Yeah. With Scream Clowns, Along with uh, Billy. All right. And a rabbi. I, 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 we have a rabbi coming on. How's that? Yeah, I, I, that's I like nice. that. That sounds great. A real rabbi to help us uh, deal with how to deal with our families. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, during the Make holidays. sure this place is kosher. All right. Once again, it's been the fastest 30 minutes on the internet. I'm Mike Edison for Trudy McGuire and our awesome guest today for Joe the Engineer and the Heritage Radio Network here live from Bushwick at uh, Roberta's in Bushwick. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.